Welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood with Mike Tom. If you've ever thought of doing something scary for God, well, today's guest knows what that is like. In 1987, Patrick Bell made the decision to join international teams and deliver Bibles, Christian literature, food, clothing, and medicine to Romania and other Eastern European countries. Patrick met his wife, Holly, while smuggling Bibles, and they married in 1990. They're still together to this day. Patrick has recently written a book called In His Majesty's Secret Service, and his heart and his goal with the novel is to stir the hearts of Christians to support their brothers and sisters around the world who are persecuted for their faith. We're going to hear more about Patrick's journey as he smuggles Bibles, and also we're going to learn more about his book, In His Majesty's Secret Service. That's today on Connections. We're joined today by Patrick Bell. He is the author of a book called In His Majesty's Secret Service, and we're going to hear more about that book coming up in a little bit. But first of all, Patrick Bell, you're also a kingdom entrepreneur. Oh, I like that. (laughs) That's maybe a great place to start, Patrick. Tell us, what is a kingdom entrepreneur? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, you know, a long time ago, I uh, got sentenced to Japan, and we were working in some English schools. And I realized I had no idea how to run a business or grow a business, so I got studying some business things, um, kind of the pre, pre, uh, like the early days of the internet. And you know, God gave us a lot of favor in Japan, and we just started growing our schools and and applying what I was learning, and realized that we could uh, just use our business as a way to like reach into the community. But also, um, we had a lot of favor in our business, so we grew it. And I think we grew from 87 students to over 350. And so we just used our business almost as a platform, a way of reaching out to the Japanese with the love of Christ. So that put me on a path through the years now where I do business consulting, and we're looking actually at heading over to Africa for, for me a third time, but uh, for my, uh, my wife a second time and getting involved in the business training, mentoring, coaching space. And you hear a lot about mission in the marketplace, but it sounds like you're maybe ahead of the curve, maybe pioneers. Well, I don't know. I think it was just, you know, we tried raising support to go, and people didn't seem to be interested, and we thought it's kind of like an anti-miracle. It's like, why can't we raise support? We've always raised support. But God wanted us into the marketplace, and I think the marketplace is where it's just a great place to show the love of Christ because people in the marketplace are just, they're dealing with problems day after day. And, um, you know, so as you help them in that space and you work with them in that space, you can really communicate the gospel in just like in a complete and transforming way. So, um, yeah, I think it was just a season that, I mean, I think God's bringing the whole Christian world into the marketplace, it seems like the whole Mm. missional world is now focusing on the marketplace. And so God just allowed us that to do that from back in 1995, which is, what, 25 years now. Um, And it hasn't been easy. I mean, there's been so many ups and downs and so many problems. You know, problems are like waves on the ocean. You know, every seventh wave is a big wave. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. It's like problem, 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 crisis. (laughs) (laughs) Gee, that sounds like a lot of fun, Patrick. (laughs) Yeah, just a lot of fun. So, I I guess it helps you rely on God. (laughs) Oh, that's the only way. And it's like sometimes we're shaking our head, like, why did that business fail or whatever? And 
And I mean, hindsight, they say is 100%, but closer to 95% because we still have questions. But we look back and go, ah, I'm starting to figure out what God was doing 10 years ago. It's just taken that long to ah, yeah, starting to understand it. So not only are you a kingdom entrepreneur, you've got a long history of probably relying on God and trusting him. Uh, you're also an author of a historical book, a historical novel that talks about Bible smugglers. It won awards for Best Christian Fiction for Canada in 2018 by Word Alive Press. Uh, it talks about three Bible smugglers as they go into communist Romania in the late 80s. Here's the deal, though. It kind of comes from real-life experience. You were actually a Bible smuggler in Romania. Can you tell us how that came to be? Yeah. Um, well, you know, my friend, uh guy Greg Reeder out in Ontario, and still in, he's still involved in the missional world, and we were back in high school together. And Greg had announced one time, hey, I'm going to go and smuggle Bibles into communist Eastern Europe. And I just thought he was crazy. <laughs> no kidding. I don't want to do that. But, you know, I started supporting him financially. And they say where your money is, that's where your heart will be. And mm. over the course of a year or two, my uh, heart started to change and God got a hold of my own heart. I turned my life completely over to him. And so um, before I knew it, I joined him on a two-year team. And uh, that was back in 1987. We went into training, and we were overseas in 88. So we were based out of Austria, and we were smuggling Bibles right into all of Eastern Europe. I grew up in the 80s, and I remember what Eastern Europe was like at that time. But for people that don't understand me, like this was a pretty big deal, actually, wasn't it? Explain to us what the situation is like in not only Russia, but the rest of the Soviet Union. Yeah, that's a great question. So I never actually went into Russia or the Soviet Union, but we were in Romania, Bulgaria, uh, Hungary, uh, East Germany, Poland, Yugoslavia at the time, Czechoslovakia. And, you know, in most of those countries, it was illegal to be a Christian. You couldn't have Bibles. Uh, If you were a Christian, you were um, sometimes jailed, persecuted for sure. So these people were starving for Bibles. And, I mean, sometimes we visit a church, and they might have one Bible between all of them, 400 of them. Hmm. And so we would come in with a load of Bibles, and they would just start crying because, you know, we were bringing God's Word to them, and they didn't have to pass that Bible around and share it, but they had their own Bible for the first time. So, yeah, it was uh, it was fascinating. It was a thrilling experience. It was also a little bit... Uh, scary. Um, you know, the first time going into Romania, I remember, you know, you, it's like you're rolling into this concrete box and you're like a lab rat. I don't know what a lab rat feels like, but it must <laughs> be like what we felt like. Um, because they just say, okay, take everything out. You know, they're really gruff. They're, they're not nice to you. They just say, take everything out of the car, uh, put it on the stone tables here. And then they just start searching for hours, like four-hour searches were very common in Romania. Wow. And, you know, interrogating us, you got someone who's just watching your face and your eyes the whole time in case you give away a clue. Um, so the crazy thing, though, was, you know, we were young, we are full of faith, and we'd kind of stand there with our arms crossed like, there's nothing you can do here. Yeah. 
That's cool. I'm not saying that. I'm just thinking that, right? Yeah. There's nothing you can do because we have God on our side, and you will not find a thing. So we had this very strange confidence and peace that came out of that, which um, was was just exhilarating for me. It reminds me of... uh... Uh, like I said, growing up in the 80s, there were Christian comic books. They're called Spire Comics. And one of my favorites was called God Smuggler. And it was the same deal about a guy in the 70s or 60s, I think it was, uh, but doing the same thing, smuggling Bibles in. And if I remember the story correctly, eventually he just started putting them on the front seat and nothing happened to him. How did you get those Bibles in? How did these guards not find the Bibles? I don't understand. <laughs> okay, so yeah, Brother Andrew. Uh, was it Brother Andrew? Doors. Yeah. It was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Open Doors is a great organization. I think they're found at opendoorsca.org. And we've done some work with them uh, recently as well to kind of work with them to um, help kind of spread the word in Western Canada here, but, uh, yeah, you know, the time that we were working there, um, I can tell you for a fact that you cannot leave Bibles on the seat, mm. and even Open Doors wasn't leaving them on the seat. Okay. Very sophisticated uh, compartments that we were using in the car or the van or whatever vehicle it was. And, you know, I was told at the time, please don't share uh, how we do this, because okay. going forward, there's other countries that are very resistant to the gospel. Right. And I don't want to share, like, how this compartment worked, because if there's someone using it going into North Korea or other places, yeah, um, that we just don't want to put them in jeopardy. Uh, so, yeah, but it was, um, imagine a team of border guards searching your vehicle for four hours, taking apart every screw they can find, and... You know, being grilled by guards the entire time. And they were still helpless because God wouldn't let them find what they wanted, you know. And even when we were in training, we went into training in uh, Prospect Heights, Illinois, for six months to, you know, just evangelism training and Bible study training and cultural training and all that, language training. But uh, we, I remember our team just thinking, you know, getting together, like, where would they hide the Bibles? And then we finally got to Europe. And they showed us a car and a van. They said, see if you can find them. And we were helpless. We mm. had no idea. So, um, yeah, I wish I could share those stories, but, uh, you know, maybe maybe uh, someday we'll be allowed to do that. But right I, now I can't. I can't imagine doing that, though, and having peace and confidence. Like, I get nervous coming back into Canada from a trip to the States. And What if I forgot to claim something, right? I'm being fully got, honest with them. I'm still scared, yeah. <laughs> This book um, that you wrote, In His Majesty's Secret Service, now it's historical fiction. So how much how much of the book is based on real life then? Right. Well, um, man, I started researching it back in 1987, so a year before I actually went overseas. And I thought, man, there's nothing on Romania to really help me understand what's going on there with the believers, unless it's like a, you know, a report or something out of Radio Free Europe or, you know, some fact report. And I know that people learn by reading, and I had no idea how to write a book, but I had this desire to write and to get things going. So, um, so a lot of research in it, um, a lot of, you know, pre-research before I went. Um, when I was there, I recorded a lot of my conversations I had with teammates or 
with believers in, in Romania. And my goal was that any Romanian who read the book would acknowledge it as authentic. Hmm. So the conversations you read in the book are authentic. The street names and locations are authentic. The descriptions are authentic. Um, but I, I've written it from a fictional context to make it more compelling. So at the time, you know, if, if I have a character saying, well, we've got to hop on tram number four to go and make this drop of Bibles. But when you come back, it's not tram number four, it's tram number seven. I mean, that's exactly how it was. Uh-huh. So, uh, Christians who were living in that town go, yeah, I wrote tram number four, and it did go by that building. So that's the level of authenticity I wanted in it. Uh, there's some real-life characters in it. Of course, uh, the president, uh, Ceausescu, and his wife, Elena, were were the villains and still are the villains in the book. And I think the head of the secret police, and there are some others. But uh, the conversations between the Bible smugglers themselves were authentic. A lot of it with the the Romanian believers, like uh, the torture scene in the book. It, I, I don't gross people out too much, but... That comes straight from a conversation with a believer after the revolution, and he described how he was tortured. So I just kind of faithfully tried to reproduce what happened to him, but in a, in a fictional context. You know, we talk about persecution. A lot of times people think that's in the past, especially the ancient past, right? But yeah. we see Christian persecution really, really intensifying again lately uh, all around the globe. Uh, how do you think we should be involved today as the church helping our persecuted brothers and sisters, or what can we do? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, I mentioned I'd become a connector for Open Doors Canada, um, and that was the same organization that was started by Brother Andrew, who wrote God Smuggler. So you could contact them at opendoorsca.org, see how you can get involved. I mean, they'll plug you in the right place that where it suits you. At the very least, you can get names of people who are currently being persecuted around the world. You can start praying for them, and you can also write them and encourage them. So, yeah, there's, I think there's lots of opportunities. Um, I mean, there's, there's ways to get into any country on Earth, including North Korea, if you have a desire to share the gospel and to live incarnationally. So um, I think you just have to start, you know, praying about it and looking out to say, "Hey, God, how can you use me in this situation? Given the the talents, the gifts that you've given me, the my skills, my experiences, and if you have that heart to to serve, I mean, God's going to plug you in that right place." And we could read in His Majesty's Secret Service too. That would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us how, how can we get our hands on the book. Yeah, I mean, first of all, it's just you could ask for it in your Christian bookstore, and we want to support our local Christian bookstores. Nice. Um, if they don't have it, they could order it. Um, if you can't wait, you could wait. You could go to Amazon. You'll find it there. If you want an autographed copy or a personal note to someone, you want to give it as a gift, you can write me a personal note. Um, my email is patrick at patrickbooks.com. comes to me, patrick at patrickbooks.com. Uh, shoot me an email, and you know, I'd be happy to connect with you and um, show you how you can get a copy of it, and I'll, I can sign it for you as well, if that's important to you. So what's next for Patrick? Uh, we are looking at returning. Uh, we used to live in Kenya for 18 months. We are looking at returning there, getting involved in business as mission. And um, there's a, a crying need for 
um, practical business training in the marketplace, but from a kingdom perspective. Mm. And so I'm uh, associated with a group named AFDM, um, Africa Strategic Discipleship Movement, and they're in 29 countries. And they're saying, can you come over and be a business catalyst for the denominations we're working in so we can start helping denominations and churches and pastors and the business people in those churches become financially uh, self-sustainable, let's say. So we're looking at doing that. We're starting that prep, uh, you know, just building the background of the business and then uh, looking at heading over in the new year for a short term to do some beta testing and we'll see where it goes from there. I'm, uh, we could be there in a year from now. So a year from now, we'll hopefully head over, but you know, that's up to the Lord about his timing and all those details. So we're just trying to walk daily, patiently, and just wait for him. Love it. Well, maybe next time we talk to you, it will be from Kenya, and we'll hear about the work you're doing there then. I'd love that. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today, Patrick. Don't forget, you can listen to the full episodes wherever you get your favorite podcast from. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating. That makes it easier for others to find. Or you can just go straight to podcastville.ca.